Hey everybody, Stuck Studio here, and today I'm joined by Emma Story Gordon. Hi, Emma. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Thanks for joining me and giving me some of your precious time, which I know is very scarce at the minute. It is, but I enjoy this stuff, so I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, and we're going to talk about your content output and this stuff to to some degree, I'm sure, today. And we're going to cover, I'll, I'll go into detail into your various businesses, talk about collaboration, which I think you're great at. But for those of you that don't know, for those of you or for the re- for the listeners who don't know anything about you, do you want to give a brief overview into who you are and, and your businesses as they are right now? Okay, so my name's Emma. I am primarily an online coach. I have an online group coaching business with Chloe Maidley. And that's like, I guess, the, the biggest business in terms of the amount of people that we get in the business and the amount of people that we impact and hopefully positively impact and help get results so that's called the EC method and then I have a smaller group coaching business which precedes that called commit to six and then I have one-to-one coaching business that has three coaches that work for me on there and I also run EIQ nutrition with my business partner Amelia and I run a mentorship called AF mentors and that is what I do lots of things just those things is that it? Yeah, just those. Yeah. Very cool. Oh, and level up events. I'll put that one in. Oh, in yeah. I mean, you. yeah, it, it's a little bit of an add on to EIQ, really. But cool. yeah, hey, there's another one. Why not throw live events into the mix, hey? Why not? I mean, harder than what you expect, shockingly. Yeah. I do not enjoy hosting them. We did. We promised to do them every quarter at OFB and it, it became very difficult. But that's a, another story. So how did how did this all start? So how did you kind of enter the fitness industry um I think all this has been very much organically following what I love doing so I standard left school and was like don't really know what I want to do I kind of like sport so I went and did sports science and then it was actually in my last year that really got me interested in it like I think I spent the first three years kind of enjoying uni life and then in the last year we started learning about exercise and health and the benefits that exercise can have to health And in particular, I was just blown away by the benefits of even a short amount of exercise on type 2 diabetes and like the reversal of type 2 diabetes. So then I got really interested in that. And that was kind of where I thought I wanted my career to go. And I went and worked in diabetes research and I started a master's in diabetes, which I then later dropped out of. Anyway, I kind of went down that path. But that's what got me really interested in exercise. And then I realized I love working with people. On, on their exercises then I became a personal trainer I mean I was doing that throughout this but then I kind of focused fully on that and I think through doing that I realized the massive impact you can have online and that it's so much more than the hour in the gym with your trainer it's actually everything else that you're doing and if I could work online I was then not like geographically constrained either and I could impact more people so for example the EC method has about 500 people in intake we've we've had over 5,000 people do the course. That means that like, there's no way I could have possibly helped that many people working one-to-one in gym and in a way that's so different. So instead of looking at primarily the exercise bout that you have with them, you're looking at their behaviors outside of that as well. And that kind of impacts on people and the mindset changes and how they think about dieting. That's really what got me kind of hooked into the online side. So how long we how long before you went a good couple of years mainly because online coaching wasn't really a thing and like I was just sending I think I had a few online clients while I was that at that point I had started a PhD which I also dropped out of but I was doing that and then I had some online clients I was just sending them word documents with workouts in so you know I was right there at the start when yeah when we just send word documents I actually started with pdfs in Dropbox, and then I was like, "Oh, nice! See, I, I can't even, edit I the PDF. Yeah, well, I couldn't edit it, so then it was a fresh PDF every time I wanted to send them something. So it didn't really work. But now we've got apps and software. Oh, heard, Check it heard out. about that? <laughs> what is it called again? Stridus.com. If oh, anyone yeah, wants to check it out. So in person for a few years, and then you kind of discovered the magic of online from a you know impact perspective. You can reach more people than Obviously, from a personal perspective, I'm sure there were some benefits that you kind of looked at there as well. I don't want to put words in your mouth. Is that right? No, no. Yeah, I, I agree. I actually, and I'll, I say this all the time, but I was an okay in-person coach. 
I'm very good at online coaching. Like I'm a very good online coach. I wasn't very good in person. And I think it's just like the different ways of coaching. I don't think they're really comparable. Like it's comparing apples to oranges, right? Like you might, if you're an in-person coach, you might be incredible at getting someone to push out that last rep or correcting someone's form that have absolutely no benefit online. And online, you might be incredible at talking to someone about getting their head around the scale weight, which you probably wouldn't have time to do in a gym setting. Different people, different goals, different jobs, essentially. I think too many people compare the two as if they're like one is better than the other. They're not. They're just different. Yeah, I 100% agree. I was nowhere near as good. In per- so I was good at group stuff in person. Like once on PT, I just I didn't, it didn't really fire me up. But then online, yeah, I, just, I was just far better at getting people results. So how long... Or, or what did online look like before you know, it became all these other products and businesses? How long were you doing it for? What were the various iterations and things that you tried and, and how difficult or easy did you find it? So, like I said, when I started, it was literally <clears throat> just sending people P- or PDFs or Word documents or something. And then I think like as that side of the industry grew and as I grew as a personal trainer, as I learned a hell of a lot more, like that all started to change. And I think it's a good example of like, starting where you are with the knowledge that you have and then getting better as things progress for me it really started taking off when I dropped out of my PhD slash PhD failed for various reasons and I was like hey that's one door shut I need to make this work now because previously and you've worked with so many coaches you know what it's like if someone's got two jobs they're like hey I don't take that this seriously it's my side hustle whatever and it never grows whereas when you're like oh man this is it now like I need to make this work it gives you a bit of a kick up the bum so I think that was a big turning point for me and I think you know like at the time that was quite painful but when you look back on things you often realize that the best things come out of the worst situation so it might have been like a breakup and then you decide hey I'm gonna move here or I'm gonna do something completely different or like what would be deemed a failure like I failed to finish a PhD that's a failure right but actually because that door shut, I was like, right, I need to go to this door and I need to make sure that I open this door and that I really give it my all. And I just think that if at the time, like things had worked out and then I'd been offered like a decent salary of an academic role, like you get tempted by these things. And it's something I think about quite often. I'm like, wow, if I'd been offered a grad scheme after uni and that's the social norm and you're like, oh, wow, 30 grand a year. Like when you're a student, you're like, oh my god like I'm rich like this is yeah. so much money yeah. I remember getting my first job after uni and I was on 22 grand a year and I was like oh, god like what like what am I gonna do yeah. with all this money whatever it, it's funny looking back but then I think the point is like when you're offered something that is pretty good in most people's eyes it's very hard to say no to that it's actually easier when there's nothing else <laughs> when when you're like oh shit I have nothing else to do I'm gonna make sure this works compared to like there's a pretty good offer on the table that you'd have to turn down to back yourself enough that you can do this on your own and bearing in mind I had no vision of what I was going to create I was just like hey I kind of like this I'm going to follow my passion and hope I make enough money and luckily for me I don't have like extremely extravagant tastes or live in a very expensive place but yeah that's kind of how that worked out so when you stopped your PhD let's call it stopping it where was online business out then in terms of number of clients for example oh I think I had like five and I'm pretty sure they're paying me like 80 pounds a month so I very quickly had to sort my shit out and, and at, at, to be fair at that time I was also working face-to-face so I, I okay. dropped the PhD and I did face-to-face a bit and was working online so how long did it take you before you went fully online? To be honest, I can't remember exactly, mainly because right up until the pandemic, I was still doing like two or three sessions because I just yeah. like I still love face to face. If I could do it now, I probably still would. But there's just not enough hours in the day. And, you know, most gyms like you have to pay rent or something. It doesn't really work out. So I could never say that I like fully dropped it until relatively recently. But I was making the vast majority of my income online pretty quickly after that. Okay. And then what triggered, see, I suppose you, you've got an option once you get to, okay, one, once one online coaching is going really well, I've probably taken this as far as it can go. Or maybe you thought that, or, or maybe that wasn't the case. 
what makes you decide that you're going to start a different product or a different business? Like what, what came next and why wasn't it just grow one to one online coaching more and more and more? And why was it another thing instead? Yeah, I think this is again like playing to your skill sets a little bit. So, I mean, there's two ways that you can grow your business. You could be like, I want to take on more coaches and one to ones the way that I think I coach best and is the buyer by one. And that's what I want my business to be known for. You're going to get a very bespoke service. It's going to be like almost hand holding or, you know, like very much one to one. Or I think I could help more people if, you know, the Zoom call that I do is watched by 500 people, not one person. And I want to grow my business in a group coaching setting. And part of that is your skill set and what you enjoy. But part of it's like the problem that you solve for people. So the EC method helps women who have been yo-yo dieting for their whole lives. The messages are the same. They don't necessarily need the one-to-one. It's like we just need to make sure that we're talking about the scale of weight and breaking that down and giving people the right nutrition advice and reassuring them at the right periods of time and dispelling some of the myths that come up. And then, I don't know, something like a really poor relationship with food, maybe someone would need a little bit one-to-one support with that. So it kind of depends on who you're working with and and what kind of support they need as well. But the way it went for me was I started working for Grenade Fit, so Jamie Alderton's gym, which was running an online program. And this was amazing for me at the time. Now, I, I mean, does it matter if I disclose how much I got paid? But basically nothing, like genuinely nothing. So I think it was an eight-week program. I think the coaches got 15 pounds for the eight weeks, right? So, I mean, for eight weeks of coaching, 15 pounds is almost nothing. But to me, I was like, wow, someone's giving me 40 clients. When would I ever get this experience? And at the time, like I was maybe sitting around like 15 to 20 online clients, like just making enough money kind of thing. And I was like, I have no idea what I would do with 40 clients. Like I'll ha- I'll learn the systems of how you manage those people. And because I have always cared about my reputation I never want someone to be able to say I worked with Emma on Grenade Fit or on any platform didn't really reply to me or I didn't get a good coaching service so I massively over delivered for the 15 pounds I was getting paid for eight weeks of coaching bearing in mind that's seven pounds fifty a month for coaching them so again like why why why, sorry why was it 15 it might as well have been zero well, I mean, 15 times 40 is something, I guess. Oh, so was it 15 times per client? 15 times, times yeah, yeah, yeah. per client, yeah, okay. And then actually I saw it as free advertising as well. So I was like, you know, yeah, I've definitely. got mates who are paying for Facebook ads, but actually here I'm developing a relationship with someone. I'm learning a lot about coaching. I'm learning a lot about this business structure and I'm getting a good reputation in the group. And the good part of that was a lot of the other coaches who worked on Grenade Fit rightly so kind of resented the 15 pounds or you know some sometimes I think it was 15 sometimes 20 whatever and so they didn't put that much effort in which meant if I just put a little bit more in I looked like by far the best option there like the best coach there so again that kind of helped me as well and that actually led to quite a lot of people then staying on with me one-to-one and it meant I got like a really cool insight into how you can run a group coaching program. There was a ton of stuff that I was like, I would never do this. And there was a ton that I was like, wow, that's how you can program for 40 clients in one weekend rather than what I would be doing, which is like looking through, you know, it would take me half an hour a client and would never sleep. So yeah, that was a really cool like learning curve and it opened my eyes into group coaching and that when you do group coaching right, it shouldn't be a lesser, it shouldn't be like, the lower tier to one-to-one coaching when you do group coaching right it's better than one-to-one coaching because you're not just getting the coaching support from like your coach but the whole community as well yeah that's amazing and i love that you you saw that for what it was and it's an opportunity right like me marketer at heart like i just see a funnel as you may not not have thought about in that way you thought about it slightly differently but i'm thinking someone's giving me 40 people all I need to do is nurture them if I was thinking purely marketing and it's going to spit out X amount of clients. And you've kind of seen that from a coaching perspective of I can deliver a great service, get people amazing results, and then it's going to grow my mm-hmm. one-to-one online coaching business. And I don't think everybody, as you've, as you as you mentioned, not everybody sees it like that. It's resented on not getting paid anything, I'm, you know, being taken advantage of or whatever. And maybe it was, but it's still an amazing opportunity. So would you say... Obviously, we'll talk about collaboration shortly, and, and you've done a lot of that. Was that a, a positive experience overall, or 
or would you say it was a collaboration that didn't really work out oh it's so positive like and and I really get on with Jamie and I've got all the time in the world for him we don't have the same coaching ethos but it doesn't matter like I learned a ton from him and we had a discussion at the end and it ended really well and he was like look you clearly are good enough and want to do your own thing this isn't going to work if you've got because at some point it becomes a like a bit of a clash right I think I just launched commit to six and he was like this is too close to grenade fit it's not going to work actually at the time it was trained with Jay but anyway doesn't really matter the program and I was like yeah it is time that I went and did this on my own so I'm I'm hugely grateful for like the experiences I had there and I think I mean I would hope that so is he and we kind of learn a lot from each other and yeah I think it was it was a it was a really good learning curve and I, I think you're right like especially earlier in your career you need to think more about like the opportunity that you're getting from something rather than the direct paycheck from it and having a bit of perspective and clarity of if at the moment you have no clients or I mean I didn't have none but like you don't have very many clients and someone is offering you to work with 40 people take it I don't really care what you're getting paid like take that opportunity it's way better than wasting your time on ad spend or trying to just show up on social media and talk to no one for ages and ages like you're, you're literally directly in front of people yeah I agree while we're on collaborations we'll, we'll continue talking about them so collaborations partnerships I think have, have seemed to have been a, a large feature of your career like why is that some of it honestly by chance some of it because genuinely I think if you collaborate with the right person one plus one equals three like and it has to be the right person because that can flip the other way and it can be that there's this just diffusion of responsibility or resentment of each other as in I'm not going to push this because I only get half the profit for it and if I can get someone in my program then I'll get the full profit for it that's when it doesn't work but if you're both all in and you complement each other's skill sets it's better than working on your own and then the other thing and I don't know what you think about this but when my businesses that I'm collaborating on like win or do really well it feels amazing like after level up I was like this is amazing I'm in love with Amelia I'm in love with the businesses we built I'm in love with this community I would never have that on my own like it's not the same feeling it's like if you win with someone else cheesy but it's like winning twice when you win on your own it's like you're sitting in your room being like oh there's that strike mark I wanted to hit like great <laughs> and then you text your mate and they're like cool like it, there's nothing it's not the same yeah I agree 100% why why don't you think we see more of it so just to give you a bit of context on this so I've collaborated partnered plenty over the past 15 years in various businesses and more recently getting into the world of software and speaking to investors and and people like that in, in like Silicon Valley in San Francisco a lot of the investors won't touch you if you don't have a co-founder or have a partner, if there isn't a team of founders, because it's so hard. It's so hard to grow a business on your own. And we're obviously not talking about billion dollar unicorns or software companies. It is a you know solo service-based business, so it does start like that for most people. But still, running a business is really hard. And if some of the smartest people in the world won't even touch you from an investment perspective, if you don't have a co-founder, why don't we see more of it in the fitness industry? So I think I got really lucky because genuinely, and it didn't start like this, because I think there's always that advice of like, don't work with your best friends. But I, and I actually think that's true if you were best friends before you started because your relationship has started as friends. And then when you move into a business relationship, that can get quite messy. Chloe and Amelia are two of my best friends, like two of the most important people in my life. But we didn't really start as friends like associates of anything and then we built a friendship because of partly the byproduct of how much time we spend together and I think that works much better to your point about like whether why we don't see it more I do think there are distinct pros and cons to this so I see some people maybe on AFM who are like oh I might do this with this person and I'm quite like what do they offer you as in what are you both bringing to this business because if you're essentially very similar coaches you're just diluting your profit as opposed to building something that's bigger like unless you have distinct skill sets unless you bring out the best in each other then then actually I think sometimes the reason that people want to collaborate is because they lack the confidence to put themselves out there on their own and I think that's the wrong reason to be doing it if there's a reason that you both work together and one plus one equals three for you guys a hundred percent of collaboration is amazing and like you say, because coaching is a solo thing, 
sometimes it like if you've got slightly different coaching styles for example Amelia and I couldn't coach together we can run EIQ together but there's no way that we could coach together we'd fall out all the time because we just have slightly different opinions on things and that would just never work and now on the outside to anyone who is kind of just like observing the fitness industry or us you'd be like oh yeah they must coach pretty similar no fundamental differences there which is fine and there's certainly people that are way more suited to Amelia certainly people that are way more suited to me but we can work together on that so it's kind of figuring out that stuff but yeah I don't know what your thoughts like why don't you think we see it much I think there's there's probably not a, a culture of working together for the within the industry it's very kind of a, we spoke about this before we went live like there's a scarcity mentality rather than you know let's all build a bigger pie it's often shit that person's taking some of my pie I want this piece of the pie and there's only a limited amount of it so I think a lot of it is around guesty people seeing others as competition which is insane because there's so many people out there who need help I think that's a big part of it and it's just it's just not been done enough for other people to follow along obviously I gave the example of software where it's just incredibly common so there are forums on the internet of people just looking for co-founders before they get started in software obviously that just doesn't exist in fitness that people are like hey I want to start a online coaching company anybody want to partner that just isn't a thing but I think a lot of people would bet more people would benefit from it than are currently benefiting from it even if it's not like a from a legal entity perspective so if you take Dan and Mike from biceps and banter for example for all intents and purposes they just create content together it's just the public facing brand that is the business that they have together but individually they work with their own clients right mm -hmm. like in the background they have kind of separate businesses there's a few things that overlap and I think there are probably people who could benefit from having almost like an accountability partner someone who pushes the other person to make sure they show up work together in content so there's a reason to have to show up and work with the other person complementary traits there's just an issue of how do you find the right person yeah when... and I guess that that's a good example of like it's harder even things like having banter together or if you want to do a podcast together like actually having two people that you can kind of jump off each other a little bit that's quite useful and, and then I think like genuinely one of the best things for me is like I said winning twice but also like 95% of my job is just having fun with two of my best mates like how cool is that and and I think that when you remind yourself of that even when stuff doesn't go exactly as you want it or it feels like a lot of hard work like that's where the longevity is you're like hey I, I just enjoy this anyway and look I'm getting paid for, to do it and I get to help a load of people while I do it like how have you how have you started the relationships with people because obviously you have a relationship with chloe with amelia who you now have businesses with but also obviously you have the podcast and i'm assuming the relationships with all these people who you kind of work together with like the relationships were non-existent prior to the fitness industry right mm. so how i suppose that's what people are lacking like how do i even start building these relationships how do i even find and connect with the people who i could work with and, and obviously you've done that very well whether it's organically or proactively like w what advice would you give to people so if i think about where i met say mike and dan from the podcast or amelia like that was both body power so events go and speak at what well, you maybe don't have to speak but like go to events find like-minded people that are doing similar things that you admire like i admired amelia for years before we ever worked together and then I think with Chloe, she invited me on her podcast. And again, I approached both of them. Well, actually, that's not true. I tried to push both of them to, to do it themselves. And both of them were like, I want to do it with you. So with the EC method, after that podcast, I got so many clients, like so many people messaged me. And I was like, Chloe, like just, just as a friend, I was like, are you doing online coaching? And like, do you know how to set this stuff up? I'm more than happy to show you because I've got genuinely like I don't know 50 clients off the back of that one podcast and she was like oh no I'm not really interested in that at the moment and then it might maybe it was like six months later I was like hey just so you know like I'm still getting people coming from your podcast like are you sure you don't want to do this stuff and she's like oh no I've kind of played a bit like I, I have a few and I was like how much are you making from it and she was like oh about two grand a month 
And I was like, I'll make you 10 grand in your first intake and I'll show you how to set it up. And I didn't want anything for it. I was just like, I'll just show you, like, this is what I've learned and this is how you can do it. She's like, oh, no, I couldn't do group coaching. I don't really believe in it. The whole narrative of group coaching is just generic shit. And then I guess like over time, I kind of convinced her and she was like, yeah, okay, let's do it, but let's do it together. And I was like, all right, fine. Like I'm well up for that. Like I was just going to be like, here, I'll jump on a Zoom call and show you how to do this kind of stuff. I was like, this is going to be great. So anyway, then we did the first EC launch. We made 10 grand. And then since then, it's just gone like up and up and up. And then now she's like, oh, I can really see the benefit of group coaching. And actually, most people stay in the EC method for the group, not for us. Like we're a bonus. Like it's nice to have us there, but like they love the group element of it. And then with Amelia, she had been offered by Shredded by Science at the time, I think, to write a nutrition course for them. And we were away together, again, like get opportunities, go and see people, get out there in person. And she was like, oh, I've been offered this opportunity. And I was like, didn't you just write a nutrition course for Optimum? And she's like, yeah, it'd probably be quite similar. Probably wouldn't be that much work, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what are they going to pay you? And she was like, 15,000. And I was like, oh, that's such a, like, that's a joke. I was like, go back and ask for more. And she's like, yeah. And I was like, actually, don't go back and ask for more. Just do it yourself. Like, if you just sold that once, like did an intake once, you'd make that money yourself. And then it's, then it's you and it's evergreen you. And then she's like, oh, yeah, maybe. And then anyway, then I was like, Let, well, then she was like, let's do it together. So then we launched the IQ. And that's how that worked. But basically it came from me pushing people to back themselves a little bit more, which is easier from the outside right when you can see how incredible someone is like there's no way Amelia should be behind the scenes writing nutrition courses for other people like she's phenomenal same with Chloe I was like I literally have people coming from your podcast because you're not offering the service that they are asking for coming to me as like a second option like you need to be doing this this should be you that's doing this so yeah it kind of came from that so get to events make friends hype people up yeah be a hype woman yeah. Yeah. Love that. Okay. So just rewinding things slightly. So after Grenade Fit or Train with Jay, or around the same time that was kind of ending, you'd started Commit to Six, right? Mm -hmm. Talk to me about that. That's just you, right? Yeah, that's just me. But I've got three coaches that do the check-in side of things. But when I started, it was just me. And actually, I don't know if you remember this, but I had a call with you. That was when I was working on, because I kind of forget about this, but like Upgrade You was actually the first group coaching that I ever did. Yeah. You know what? I wanted to include this in our notes, but I couldn't remember the name of, and I felt really bad, of the guy who was also on the call Jonathan. with us. Jonathan. Jonathan. And I, yeah. And I couldn't remember who it was. But yeah, I do remember that. I always felt bad because I couldn't, I think you asked to see my Facebook page. I still remember this, this is how much I felt, how bad I felt at the time. And this I couldn't is get how, it um, This is how, what's the right word? Like I just questioned, like I was such a skeptic of anything marketing wise, of investing in the business at all. And Jonathan was really keen for it. And I was like, yeah. I don't trust this guy. I don't know who he is. Let me see his business. <laughs> Let me see this. <laughs> I know. So I was like, and he'd warned me. He'd said, yeah, I don't think he'd warned me, but he just, yeah, I think he'd said, Emma's going to need some reassurance. I was like, yeah, I'm ready. I'll show whatever she wants. And the first thing that you asked me for was, can I see your Facebook page? And I, for whatever reason, it's just like hidden. Like, what the fuck is going so on? Funny. So funny. And then we ended up going with someone else and it was a really bad decision. So I regret that. Never mind. You've done very well anyway since yeah. then. Um, yeah. So that was the first group coaching. And then that kind of wound up and yeah then I started commit to six which interestingly and again this this one was probably like a lack of confidence thing I was going to do that with Sarah Holden and then at the last minute or well, a couple of weeks before we launched she was like I think I can't remember I mean it was probably an excuse and she didn't want to do it for some reason but there was like a family thing or something and so she was like I don't think I can commit to this at the moment and I was like I'm just gonna roll with it so I just did it all myself and yeah, it was really good. And then it's just kind of grown since then. And then I took on coaches to outsource the check-in side. Again, that was a huge stumbling block for me because I was like, no, it has to be me. People are coming to work with me. And then literally nobody cared. <laughs> I think yeah, you have all these expectations don't. of like, I can't outsource these check-ins. And then they're like, oh yeah, that's fine. Like, what were you yeah. worried about? Yeah. So were the three hires that you made off the back of the growth of commit six or 
is that why they were hired? And then are they getting coaches or clients off the back of that? Yeah. So one of them was a guy that I've just known forever, Andy. He's amazing. And I think it was just really important that I trusted someone. So, and I didn't want to have to look over someone's shoulder and be like, oh, like, what are you, what did you say in that check-in? And I fully trust him and don't have to do that. And then another one, Catherine, who was on Commit to Six already and then had been there for like over a year and she was also a personal trainer. And I was like, you know my business back to front. You've done check-ins with me for over a year. And I know that you're going to love this and over-deliver. And she still does. She massively over-delivers. So she's incredible. And then Shona also was a one-to-one client and then did Commit to Six. And I'm like, again, you know me, you know my vibe. You're a personal trainer on your own right it was just like kind of like the perfect fit so with all of them I very much headhunted people as opposed to did like an application and and got someone in and this is what I'm finding with the AFM coaches that are getting to the point now that they're like I need to take on another coach it's really hard and I'm so grateful for the coaches I have because it's really hard to find someone and it's like it's your reputation on the line so if someone comes to commit six and the check-ins are crap it's not really that coach that they care about it's me like they've come through me so it's my reputation so it's very like yeah it's hard it's hard to outsource that stuff yeah I think hiring from pe- hiring people who kind of know your business as you have is just that it's a cheat code so if you if you've got that group 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 coaching especially where they've been through that and been through one-to-one coaching and they've been part of the community it's just it's it makes things so much easier how have you found the transition to managing people yeah I think I have actually found that quite hard I think it's one of the hardest parts I don't think I've nailed it yet I think what I would have done better is set harder expectations or like not a fully fledged contract because I think people don't stick to them anyway and it's almost like not worth the paper but the contract's important because it sets expectations and boundaries on either side I didn't do that enough at the start. So now it's like those have to be reset kind of thing. And I think that's something that I instill in the AFM coaches is like the expectations of what you want from this person and what they can expect from you as well. And it's harder to do that two years down the line than it is to do it from the start. But some, at some point you just have to draw a line and be like, right, we're redoing this. This is how it's going to be from now on. This is what I'm going to give you. This is what I expect of you. But yeah, managing people is hard. What do you put, have you got anything in place from like a structure perspective, like one-on-ones, reviews, targets that you set them? Most of them have, well, they they all have targets. The thing is, two of them also have like kind of their own business outside of it, which again, that's probably one of the things that becomes the most confusing. And it, at some point it becomes a bit of a like conflict of interest of like, well, if you've got your own thing, then should I be pushing people because I'm essentially pushing people to your business and then that becomes a bit confusing so ideally if you're thinking of taking someone on take someone on that's going to be 100% your business with you isn't doing anything else or if they are it's distinctly different so like Andy online or me in person he's got his own studio gym and he does some one-to-one clients with them and then he's got coaches that work in there as well that's great I'm not losing any clients to that like it, it makes sense for me to push people to him but it gets a bit more confusing if you're trying to run like another online coaching program. Then things get a bit blurry. Yeah. So that's where that contract probably helps at the beginning. Yeah. That would have been, <laughs> you yeah. can't do this. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So you're working with one-to-one online clients. That's going really well. At some point you decide to launch the EC method. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Yeah. EC method. That's right. No, commit to six. Six, Even I'm then... getting lost in all, all the products. Yeah. <laughs> so were you worried that EC method was going to kind of cannibalize commit to six or is it super different or how did you, um, how did you make that fit? So this is a problem I still have. And I wouldn't like, I would never suggest my business model to anyone else. Like it, it basically grew from the fact I already had commit to six. And then I was doing something with Chloe, like, I wouldn't they are in a conflict like and and a lot of people do both in fact most people have kind of done both and some people find they really like commit to six because it's a smaller group you get one-to-one check-ins and the EC method is a bigger group and there aren't one-to-one check-ins so 
like some people prefer one some people prefer the other it's not a big deal but but it is in the sense that people get confused and when people are confused they don't buy so if you come to someone's website and it's like oh do you want to work with me here's four different options you can have training only nutrition only training and nutrition group training group nutrition group training and nutrition and also this random other product that I do as well that's kind of like geared towards performance they're like whoa like what am I meant to be doing and you think you're creating a product for everyone and it will do really well but you're not you're just creating huge confusion for people and then they don't buy anything so ideally you know I'd have one maybe two products that's how you work with me end of but just from the way things have grown and I would imagine over the next year I'll probably think about how I'm gonna navigate that to make them distinctly very different but yeah it's not it's not a business model I would suggest (laughs) why do you think you've made it work just because of the the, is it again from the benefit of the partners that you have and and being able to lean Um, on them it depends what you mean by work as in I'm sure that both of them would do better if I concentrated on one not both of them the one that I concentrated on would do better like they work as in they're both quote unquote successful but it's like how do you define success and like how do you know what would have been if you just put all your eggs in one basket and actually focused your efforts rather than trying to do 50 things at once so yeah they they do I guess partly what I was saying about like some people prefer one to the other just personal preference if if nothing else and it is a slightly different vibe mainly because of like Chloe's input and then the coach's input like we're all different so yeah, I think there's there's that element of it, but I don't. Yeah, I think you're probably better picking one thing and doing it well. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah. But then probably the other two businesses that are distinctly different, which are EIQ and AF Mentors. Mentors. So, I'd like to speak about AF Mentors, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. What what triggered the decision to decide that you wanted to help other coaches? A lot of it was because I saw some really awful mentoring. And I was always complaining that there's no women mentors and it's all men who haven't coached anyone for 10 years and actually weren't particularly good coaches anyway and don't care about if you're actually helping people and only care about making quick like buck and like, hey, are you actually even coaching anymore? Is your VA doing it and sales funnels and just spending on ads and not checking if the coach is actually a good coach anyway? And then kind of spraying on vulnerable new PTs and being like sign up to this year contract that you can work with me it's going to cost you 12 grand which you absolutely do not have but you should put it on a credit card like that kind of stuff I was like this is obscene and is everything I hate about the fitness industry and then I was like why complain about it when you could just do it better that's why I started AFM that's amazing so that's actually identical to my story in OFB it was look at all this shit that I hate I, I did complain often and I basically got told by my best friend Stephen to shut up or do something about it. So I launched OFP. So how have you found work with other coaches from a business perspective? Is there anything that's been eye-opening or surprising? Work ethic is wildly different between people. Like I had people who, and obviously this stops pretty quickly, but who are like, I couldn't possibly post every day. And like I post twice a day on ESG Fitness, once a day on AFM, and you know run numerous businesses like you absolutely can post once a day and it's interesting the difference between I worked hard and I worked hard like is like magnitudes different and I didn't really realize that until I started working with so many coaches I was like wow hard work for you is like an hour's block for someone else like it's it's mad so that was quite eye-opening and then it also really fits better with who I am more naturally and authentically which is quite like a hard trainer and some people like you know like I can be soft when needed from like the coaching standpoint and I'm I'm empathetic but with coaching I'm like hey if you want to be pushed and you re- if you this is your goal this is what you need to do to get there and it's kind of easier to push people because you're not worried about pushing them too far and their relationship with food being impacted obviously there's like burnout and things like that, that you need to be careful of but I can be a little bit more brutal and people want it as well because they're like, I oh, know I'd rather you told me that my social media is shit so I can improve it than tell me that it looks fine. And then I just don't get any results because I keep doing the thing that isn't actually getting me results. Yeah, that's amazing. So just on work ethic, I think obviously your output is very impressive. 
it sometimes intimidates me. I'm not going to lie. As someone who is consistently inconsistent on social media nowadays, what two or three bits of advice would you give to someone who sees your output and thinks, I, I don't know how, where to even start to get to that point, or you know, I, I want to, how do I emulate that? Like, what advice would you give to them? Time block. Google Calendar is like my best friend. Just block everything out that you need to be doing. Really try and think about the 20% of things that you're doing that are growing 80% of your business. So for example, I focus on one short form piece of content and then one long form piece of content or platform more to the point. Like I focus on my podcast because that's where most people come from and Instagram because again, like that's where most people come from. I'm not posting on TikTok. I'm not really you know sometimes I'll post a tweet because I want to screenshot it and put it on Instagram like I'm not really focused on trying to grow LinkedIn and it's very easy to see oh so and so is doing well on LinkedIn I should start doing that or Amelia's got a like a, a really good email list I should start doing emails or blah, and it's like yeah you could do all of these things but you do them all really quite badly what's better is to figure out where your clients are coming from and then focus on making that content better than trying to be on every single platform and just feeling overwhelmed and essentially getting nothing done. So I really always come back to that like 80-20 principle that 20% of your effort is getting you 80% of the result. Keep reviewing that and be like, okay, you know, it's been three months since I kind of had a bit of a look at that and and audited my day as well and been like, right, if if 80% of my clients are coming from the podcast, but I'm making it the last on my priority list then I need to start changing that. That should be like top of my priority list. And just like the the low effort tasks or like the low output tasks, income tasks, whatever, impact tasks that you don't have to be doing, that you're probably wasting a lot of time doing, sometimes just because you've seen someone else do it or you feel like you quote unquote should be doing that and actually it's not getting you anywhere. And what about for people who say, yeah, that's that's all well and good, but creatively... I will sit at my computer for that one hour block and yeah, I could probably post one thing every other day. I, you know, they can't think of what to create content about every single day. One, always keep your notes tab open. I've got almost 10,000 notes of just like stuff that pops into my head. And then I'm like, later on, I'll write about that or I'll come up with something. Two, on the days that you don't have creativity. I mean, I've got like 10 years of content cool I'll just look back look on my insight see something that did well about a year ago no one's going to notice if they do who cares it's been a whole year since I posted it reword it slightly post it back up like fine like if, what, if you have that was my entire content strategy at the minute oh, in the past I mean, two months <laughs> it's evergreen stuff like if you're in the fitness industry I mean same with mentoring and business side of stuff like it doesn't change like the 80 20 principle doesn't change you could talk about that this year and next year you could talk about calorie deficits this year and next year or your three tips to avoid obsessing over the scales every six months like it it doesn't matter but I would try and obviously have some creativity but if you need to reuse some of the stuff on the days that you're not creative like absolutely reuse it amazing okay so that's you know great advice for people who are wanting to improve their content output I suppose what advice would you give to someone who's looking to emulate your success in general? So just, you know, high level advice that you would give to someone who's looking at you thinking, I wish I could do that. I want to get to that. I think a lot of things come down to luck and timing. So it's not to say that you couldn't emulate what I've done or considerably more. Like I would set your heights even higher. But it, it, like what got me here won't get you here now. Like things are different. So you need to play a slightly different game. The other thing I'll say is that I would attribute most of my success to just doing things that I love. Like I find it fun, which means that like you talk about my work output. I genuinely love all the stuff that I do. Like I wouldn't be on a live if I didn't want to do it. I wouldn't be here right now if I didn't want to do it. So if you can enjoy it, you'll outwork everybody else. And part of that comes from building businesses based on what you love doing. And again, why I didn't like the mentorships, because it's like, oh do this eight week plan that we've kind of set out for you this is how you market it this is how you do this like not hey what's what are you passionate about what kind of like what impact do you want to have on this person now how can we create a plan around creating that impact for that person or solving the problem that you want to solve for people that's how mentoring should be done like what do you light up about when you speak about it 
that's what you should be building your business around because you will outwork everybody else if you do that if you just follow what I've done and you're like oh the EC method does this I'll just make the PC method it will never work because it's not what you love and it and that will show in your in how much work you put into it and how successful it is so I think like worry less about always focusing on the outcome and like cheesy cheesy but like enjoy the journey and I always remind myself when I feel stressed as well like I love doing this stuff and 95% of the time like I'm just having a laugh with my mates and I get to help a load of people and it completely takes the pressure off because realistically I'd be doing the same things or 95% of them if I wasn't being paid for it and I think when you remind yourself of that and a lot of online coaches should do that because you can get so bogged down and stressed with comparison and I should have hit this target and I'm upset I didn't do this and it's like drip all that back if you weren't getting paid would you still do this and a lot of them are like yeah I'm like right like let's chill out a little bit about hitting all these targets yeah I think it's probably one of the only professions and industries where that should be an overwhelming yes I'd still just want to do it so it's hard it's it's easy to lose sight of that definitely especially you know with the way it's positioned as you know online coaching earn more money earn more money earn more money or just be happy enjoy it mm. amazing okay so on that note are you up for some finishing questions yeah this is a hard one as you already suggested early on but what do the next few years look like for you as a business owner and your businesses so i do have i have made a big decision which i only made th- this morning so i don't know if i want to say it on a podcast yet but it's just outsourcing a lot of, or basically bringing someone into my business to help me with a lot of things. And I'm extremely bad at outsourcing, even though I have a VA, I just don't really use her that much. Whereas this is going to force me to. And I think that will, that will make me, you know, like when, when coaches invest in mentoring and you see a shift immediately, because they're like, you take your business seriously now. It's not a side hustle. It's not, I'm a personal trainer. I trade time for money. It's like, I run a business and I've invested in it that's what I feel like this is going to do for me because a lot of the time it does still feel like I should be taking it a little bit more seriously so yeah I'm I'm excited about that and yeah I think that's that's probably as far as I know I'm excited to see where AFM goes I'm excited to help more people on the coaching programs and we're also kind of restructuring EIQ a little bit so that's really cool as well and I'm excited about that and and also from that point of view now, I learn so much from EIQ because we get guests on all the time now. I'm like, if I wasn't on this, I'd just be paying for it myself. Like, it, it's awesome. It's like free CPD, which I'm also kind of forced to do, which is great because if I was just paying for it, I might not watch every single lecture, whereas I have to and I have to take notes and I have to ask the expert questions. So I'm always staying like ahead of the game, which is awesome. Yeah. And there's lots more of that to come for EIQ. Amazing. What's something that you hate about the industry? I'm not going to rant about the mentors again because I've already done that. I generally love the fitness industry. There are some corners that I often forget about that it's like people are still selling people crap like Herbalife and supplements that they don't need. I think I especially hate when they prey on vulnerable people. Like my one of my biggest client bases is menopausal or peri or postmenopausal women. And they are preyed on like nothing else. Like there's the next menopause plan there's some supplement for menopause there's some new 18 year old pt who's specializing in menopause like and yeah that kind of stuff i hate fortunately i kind of surround myself with like the great part of the industry where there's just phenomenal coaches so i see less of it but now and again i get a glimpse of it and i'm like wow i hate that i think it's actually a lot smaller than it used to be as well i was saying this to amelia i think standards are genuinely so much higher than even they were five years ago but you're in that echo chamber too see I worry about that and then I see the people in the gyms that I go to you know like if I go to a pure gym or something I'm like and I overhear a personal trainer being like oh yeah all you need to do is take this supplement or like I went to a David Lloyd's and there was a stand with someone selling Herbalife oh no it wasn't it was worse it was like the aloe vera thing (laughs) yeah well I keep I'll keep telling myself that it's getting better anyway (laughs) What's the biggest mistake you see other coaches making from a business perspective? Giving up too soon. Like thinking that their their first thing will launch and be amazing. And then 
they don't see it enough as like it's a bit of a test like you should think of your business as an experiment the first thing that you launch isn't going to be good the first podcast that you do isn't going to be good the first time you go on a live it's going to be awful like all of these stuff you have to learn you don't start with experience and I think too many people put too much pressure on themselves and whether it's like an ego thing as well of like oh everyone will think I failed like honestly nobody's looking and who cares if they think that you failed the people that are the most successful are just like great I'm gonna launch it I'm gonna get some data I'm gonna get some feedback I'll test it I'll refine it I'll improve on it and I'll go again and I still do that on every single launch that I do for every program that I run there's always like "Mm, what could be better what could I do better that didn't run so smoothly this time why isn't that working commit to six so it's completely different now than it did when I started it and if it was the same product as when I started no one would be doing it like needed to be improved as I went along and with online coaching if you don't start looking at I don't know maybe it's Stridus but like the best kind of software or the best service that you can give your clients and always stay up to date with that like you'll quickly be left behind so you always have to think of like how can I be improving and not let like quote-unquote failures trip you up yeah yeah I love that so it's finishing a high note What's something that you love about the industry? I love the EIQ slash AFM family support vibe, or kind of just like that corner of the fitness industry. And I know I'm massively biased, but it's so nice to have, like to surround yourself with people who are like-minded, all want the best for each other. Like you'd be amazed at how much time people spend helping each other. That has absolutely no benefit, if anything, potentially a detriment to their own time that they could be spending on their own business or helping their own clients and yeah it's amazing when you see people like breaking each other's limited beliefs and inspiring each other to be better and I think surrounding yourself with those kind of people is the quickest way to improve yeah definitely you can find one of those corners of the internet of your people like get there and stay there Mm. amazing Emma it's been a pleasure if people want to come and find you where should they do that the best place to find me is at ESG Fitness. And in the link in my bio there, you'll find the links to all businesses. Amazing. We'll put the links in the show notes. I think I have no idea how podcasts actually work, but I think that's what happens. <laughs> Great. Um, it sounds Emma, professional. Very much. <laughs> yeah. I'm just testing and refining and then we'll, we'll improve from here. Yeah. Pleasure, Emma. Thank you very much for joining me. Thanks so much for having me.